You know, sometimes life can seem really good, but then when you think about it, it actually has its ups and downs, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, this week I was going through YouTube and one of the YouTube holes, have you ever fallen down a YouTube hole where you start watching one video and then you think, well, just one more and then one more and one more and one more. And then you're like, why, where did I get to this? <laughs> uh, one, one of the things that I found out was a video called Upside Down and Inside Out. It's a music video by the band OK Go. They do creative music videos. But this particular music video was all done in true weightlessness. And how they achieved it is they went to Moscow and from Moscow flew in this jet and they would fly up and then they would fly down. They would fly up and they would fly down. And every time they would get to the top, there's about 27 seconds where they were weightless. Man, it's like being at at a roller coaster where you feel weightless for a moment before going down. They did that 15 times per flight. They took 21 flights. I thought that would be awesome until I saw the behind the scenes footage and the behind the scenes footage, the band talks about there are two responses that humans have to weightlessness. Uh, The first is that you start trying to swim and clamber for everything because you're used to knowing which way is down. Anybody want to guess the second response? That's right. You didn't hear it. Somebody made the throwing up sound. That's right. Uh, there's something after the first couple, something that goes off in the human brain that goes, this just isn't right. Uh, 21 flights, I think they had 58 unscheduled responses of the human body (laughs) to being upside down and inside out. Man, you know, sometimes life is like that though. There's ups and downs in life. And sometimes you can start life. Maybe it's life where you are or life here in Dubai. And you think, this is awesome. This looks so good. But after a few serious ups and downs, there's something in our hearts that just goes, there's something that's not quite right. Do you ever feel a little bit disoriented? A little bit sick of life? Do you ever find yourself discouraged? That's because... Life sometimes can be disorienting. And the reason it's disorienting is that we live life, for the most part, upside down. And yet, we're not aware of it. What we're going to see today in God's word is we're going to see Jesus explain to us what life is like right side up. We're going to look at the question, what does right side up life look like? And so if you're watching here or you're watching through our live stream, chances are you have found yourself disoriented. You found yourself a little queasy. Well, we're going to hear in the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus. We're going to hear about right side up living. We're going to see first Jesus painting a very uh, beautiful picture of a right side up orientation to life. And it settles us. Then we're going to see not just the right side up orientation. We're going to see a right side up proclamation. And then we're going to see the motivation behind all of this. Because it's really the why that drives us. When we look at this, Jesus has just collected a whole bunch of his friends. He's called his very first followers to come and follow him. They've gone around healing people and doing all these miracles. Jesus is going viral right now in the book of Matthew. 
He's gone viral and everyone is starting to come with him. And, and so Jesus sees the crowds and he gathers his closest followers with him. And he sits down, he takes the posture of a rabbi, he sits down to teach them. And as Jesus sits down, there's a hush over the crowd. And they listen. And Jesus is going to tell them, blessed are those who... It's a common Hebrew idiom uh, looking at a person and then a promise. The type of person gets this type of promise. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who. The first one he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. We'll unpack that. There's a series of eight of them. But really, blessed doesn't just mean fortunate. It doesn't just mean happy like Ray shared. Uh, To be blessed, makarios in the Greek, means to be favored by God, to be settled. It's language of more of a settled relationship with God that creates in us a feeling of knowing which side is up and which side is down, (laughs) of being settled. It's not just happy. Like if I told you right now, the buffet on the eighth floor is open for free. And if you're watching online, we are going to deliver something to your house in the next 10 minutes. All right. What would your faces look like? Let me see your happiest face. And if you're watching online, just put a smiley emoji in the chat section. All right. Let me see your smiliest face. Let's see. Smiling face. Yep. Yep. You're, you're really happy. I see you. I'm pretty sure you're happy. There we go. I know you're happy. Maybe work on that a little bit. And (laughs) now right over there is really happy. I see it really smiling. Uh, Now, what if I told you, just kidding, the buffet is totally closed. And if you're watching online, you're stuck with leftovers from yesterday. Sorry. Oh, all of a sudden the happiness just evaporates, right? This idea of blessed isn't just happy, not just that feeling inside. It's a deep settledness of being right with your creator and knowing knowing that you know which way is up and which way is down. You have a right side up perspective. That's what it means, Markarios. That's what Jesus means when he says blessed. So let's look at these eight characteristics. And these are uh, a description of those who are in God's family. The first one is those who are poor in spirit. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, Poor in spirit means I can't do this on my own. God, I have nothing to bring. Uh, Help me, God. I I desperately need you. I can't do this on my own. And if you've tried to live life on your own, you know firsthand how hard your face hits the ground when you fail. Have you tried to live life on your own only realizing that you're a terrible boss of your own life? You make terrible decisions. You can't do it on your own, especially your spiritual life, your walk with Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, have you tried hard and said, God, I'm just gonna try harder with this and then find yourself a profound failure? Raise your hand if you would agree, I am poor in spirit. I can't do this on my own. And put a hand emoji in the chat section if you're watching online, all right? Let's see, put your hands up. Keep your hands up. We want to see who those who are are weak and poor in spirit. Let's see. Hey, if you have your hand up right now as a follower of Jesus, guess what you get? The kingdom of heaven. Woo! 
We can't do it on our own. That's why you're going to hear these next seven and you're going to go, oh, I should be more like this. Oh, I should try harder. Guess what? Everybody that raised your hand, we've all tried harder and we've all failed because it's only with Jesus as our king living in his kingdom that we can experience any of these benefits. All right. And so Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who can't bring it on their own. Chances are you live with people in your life. They're the opposite of poor in spirit. They're proud. <laughs> they think I can do it. All you weak people that just raised your hand. Or maybe you were sitting there thinking to yourself, well, I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm not that poor in spirit. I'm pretty good. I mean, I do more good than bad. <laughs> no, Jesus says, if you say I've got nothing to offer, I'm a failure without you. Jesus says, you get the kingdom of heaven. So not only poor in spirit, Jesus says those who are bothered by sin. Number two, Jesus said, if you're bothered by sin, if it bothers you, then well, you'll see what the promise is. The opposite is just living for self, gratifying me and doing things that I want to do. In verse four, it says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. They're not just being sad or heartbroken. The Bible tells us that there are many, many ways that we're comforted in our grief that God uh, binds up the brokenhearted. He's near to the brokenhearted. Yes, but Jesus, when he's talking here, is specifically talking about sin, those who are bothered by their own sin. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you cried? Let me get even more specific. Men, when was the last time you cried? <laughs> Okay, when was the last time your face leaked or you had something in your eye? <laughs> you know, for me, I, it was just recently. I was watching a movie with my kids and it was an emotionally stirring movie that we were watching. And I was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> I found myself all teary-eyed. And, and then thinking about this sermon, I thought, wait a second. God, I am more moved by the writers of Disney in this movie than I am bothered by my own sin that your word points out. I mean, when was the last time that we reflected on how unlike Jesus we are? How desperate for his death and resurrection we've, we are? We say, well, what doesn't look like Jesus in my life? I'm not as great as I think, God. Uh, this, this bothers me. And as I was bothered about not being bothered, I realized actually I, I'm mourning right now my brokenness that I can't do this without you, God. So if you are a failure and being a failure bothers you, if you realize the standard that God has set is here and you're living down here and that bothers you, raise your hand. That's right. Keep your hands up, failures. That's right. Guess what? It says that you shall be comforted. You shall be comforted because there's full forgiveness in Jesus. You are totally forgiven. 
Jesus is blessed are those who are bothered by sin. Instead of living for yourself and you go, well, you know, I mean, life is short. So now's the time to live it up in Dubai. And what happens in Dubai stays in Dubai. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, 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 no. Jesus says, the fact that you realize that you're not perfect and you're bothered by that, you will be comforted. You'll be comforted. Number three, Jesus says, not only poor in spirit and bothered by sin, Jesus says, those who use their authority to serve others, those who don't uh, puff up themselves and use their authority to climb over the backs of others or push other people down to puff themselves up, Jesus says, blessed are the meek. He says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The earth. Man, and just the old saying goes, meekness is not weakness. Meekness and weakness are not the same thing. Meekness is uh, using your power, using the authority, and you're oriented towards others to lift them up. You're looking for ways you can serve them. It's a gentle use of the power that you have under control. Instead of using the authority and the power you have to, to look down on the others or push them down or shame them. You know, it makes sense because with Jesus, our king in his kingdom, where does all the power come from anyway? It's from him. And so as we realize, wow, uh, Jesus has put me in a position. He's my king. Ultimately, he has the control. Let me just use his power to, to bless others. Let me use his power to lift others up. Instead of saying, having a delusional sense of authority saying, ha, 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 now's my time. No. But that's so upside down from the way that we find ourselves living day to day. Do you work with anybody that would see meekness as weakness? Do you work with anybody that if, if you don't puff up yourself with authority or use certain titles, that, that they would think of you less? Do you work with any coworkers that constantly tell you how good they are or how much better than other people they are? Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are bothered by sin, those who use authority for others. And also he says, blessed are those who hunger for God instead of a desire to please themselves. And let's face it, that can be really easy here. We can be so distracted. We we can have anything we could possibly want delivered to our door in less than an hour. We can have all sorts of, of inappropriate relationships or desires because we're so isolated. We can keep secrets. We can do everything as we live in this temporary season called expat living and yet find ourselves still wanting more. Look what Jesus says about hunger and thirst. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They will be satisfied. Jesus says, uh, more Jesus, less me. Those who are constantly saying, oh, I used to like that, but I, I don't anymore. I just, it just tastes bad to me. I don't like that. No, uh, I want to look out on the horizon, like taking big binoculars and looking around at, at things on the horizon that could make me more like Jesus or being aware of things that might distract me from following Jesus. I, I want to keep out. I want to watch out and be proactive in that. 
I want to show grace to other people. Jesus says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. You know, I think the expert in knowing what satisfies us, or at least what we hunger and thirst for, I think the absolute best are algorithms on social media. I mean, think about it. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, uh, those algorithms are designed around you for what you hunger and thirst for. If you were to pull up any app on your phone, last service I used YouTube and someone said, oh, I just listened to Jesus music on YouTube. I'm sure glad you didn't mention mention Instagram. So I'm mentioning them all now, all right? (laughs) But if we were to pull up uh, your feed, what would pop up on your feed? Are, 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 they, are they things of righteousness, of, of Jesus, of his kingdom? Or are they things on your feed like this guy ate the world's biggest gummy bear or a cat playing the piano? <laughs> we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, if you say, Jesus, I want more of you and less of me, guess what? Finally, you will be satisfied. Instead of starting to scroll for five minutes, that becomes 15 minutes, that becomes 30 minutes. And then after you're done scrolling for maximum 35 minutes, and you're like, whoa, where'd the sun go? (laughs) It's midnight. What happened? (laughs) It's because you're never satisfied through scrolling. Only Jesus will satisfy. Only our king in his kingdom will satisfy you. So if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus says, Those who hunger and thirst will be satisfied. And also, as we're fully satisfied in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, if we're fully satisfied, it takes those binoculars that we're looking on the horizon to pursue Him with, and it actually flips the binoculars to look at them in reverse. Have you ever done that? Look through the big end of binoculars? Everything that used to seem really big and close is now teeny tiny in the distance. And it just, it's a, it, I remember when I was uh, younger, I was in my room, I was in trouble and I had a pair of binoculars. And so I looked at them reverse and my room got so much bigger. The walls were so far away. And so I, st- I took the binoculars and I started to walk around my room. And then all of a sudden uh, the door opened and I thought, oh, look, there's freedom. I'm free. All right. And I started to run out and I didn't realize the door was so close. Wham, hit me right in the eyes. Two black eyes right here. (laughs) But see, the beautiful thing is, is when we're satisfied, we're fully satisfied. uh, When we find ourselves uh, meek and, and hungering and thirsting for righteousness, all of a sudden the mistakes in other people that were so close and bothersome actually become much further away. Because we realize, okay, I'm, I'm not perfect either. I can't do it on my own. I know you can't do it on your own, but Jesus bridges the gap for both of us. And so that's why there's a shift in uh, the Beatitudes, these are called, uh, these eight blessings. There's a shift from our relationship with God to now our relationship with one another. Remembering that we can't do any of it without Jesus. So let's look at what Jesus says, the first way that we relate with one another. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Those who show mercy, those who don't make you pay. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful. It's the people that say, hey, I know you've wronged me, but, or I know I disagree with you, but let me just 
seek your perspective. Let me try and understand instead of making you pay. Or, hey, you know, you, you have done something that seems uh, offensive to me or shameful to me, but let me just assume for a moment that you weren't trying to ruin my life or my day. Let me just seek your perspective. I'm not going to make you pay. Those who are merciful say, I'm a forgiven sinner that can forgive sinners. In fact, even if you've done something wrong, I want to release that debt. I want to restore that honor. And that's a completely different way. That's right side up living. Upside down living is very vindictive. It's not responding with forgiveness, but retaliation. It's saying, well, you've wronged me. And so now I'm going to make you pay. Like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry for what? Sorry for everything? (laughs) Well, that's not good enough. You have to pay me. It's like the sorry has to be worth enough to be forgiven. (laughs) And if you, if you come from a culture that is uh, directly addressing conflict, um, then, then you might be, be very aware of this to directly address conflict. Say, hey, you've, you've wronged me. Now you have to pay. Okay, fine. Here you go. I'll, I'll say I'm sorry, and then we're done. No, but, but those who are merciful, no, those who are merciful say, hey, listen, Jesus has already paid the price for my sin, and he's paid the price for your offense to me too. The debt has been paid. I'm not holding anything against you any longer. Those who forgive debts, those who restore honor, Jesus says, those are the ones that shall receive mercy. Blessed are those who show mercy. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, a marriage course that our Equip for Life class was, class was doing, because sometimes in marriage, we need to be reminded that blessed are the merciful. Amen. Also, it's not just marriage relationships, it's all relationships, right? <laughs> and so I want to tell you about something that we're offering now for those who aren't married this coming week. It's a, a equipped class about thinking biblically about relationships. And you'll see that relationships are completely transformed by Jesus. That even in relationships, the way that we relate to one another And the way that you find uh, and search for a spouse, if there's anyone that ever comes to Dubai looking for a spouse, I don't know. Maybe there's a few. But actually show you what to look for. What what does a Jesus-like spouse look for if you're looking for that? All right? So scan the QR code, sign up. Also look for the green sign out front. You can sign up there. But not only the merciful, but the pure in heart, Jesus goes on. Blessed are the, pure, are the pure in heart. Those who have been transformed and live out what happens on the inside, live it out. Those who are continually saying, God, more of you, less of me, and I want it to change the way that I live. I want my belief and my behavior to match up. Now, the upside down version of that is hypocrites. Somebody that says one thing and acts in a different way. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you know that one of the greatest criticisms people who don't follow Jesus have about Jesus? It's the hypocrites that that say they follow him. When people look at you, follower of Jesus, and if you've come here and you're not a follower of Jesus, first of all, I want to tell you, we are not perfect. 
That's why we're poor in spirit. We have to rely on God to give us the, the power to do anything good. And I also want to tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, when people see you, do they see and smell the aroma of Jesus? Are you the same person on Sunday morning as you are on Saturday night? Are you the same person when pressures happen at work on a Tuesday evening as you are in your 242 small group on Thursday night? Are you pure in heart? Do you pursue the purity path? If so, Jesus says, then you will see God. So, Hunger to please God, merciful, pure in heart. Uh, Now Jesus talks about the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Instead of people saying, I want to get my own way, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. The ones who make peace. The ones who pay for reconciliation. The ones who actually step into conflict. The ones who stand up for the oppressed. Jesus says, blessed are the are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The peacemakers are the ones that are called inside of God's family. Now, some of us may come from cultures where we address the conflict and we talk about the conflict, or even though we speak with great passion and we just yell it out if you're from one of those cultures and you're just talking about how your day went. (laughs) But if your spouse is from an opposite culture. They're like, hey, whoa, what were you guys fighting about? Like, oh no, we were just deciding where to go to dinner. <laughs> now, maybe you're, you're saying that now, peacemaking in that, in that framework doesn't look like you saying, hey, you need to come here and you need to come here. I see you're fighting. You shut up. You say you're sorry. Get along, all right? No, it's not like that. But chances are more people than not are more conflict avoidant than jumping into conflict. Like you see two people fighting and you're like, oh, 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 oh. I'll pray for you. (laughs) Right? And especially if you come from a culture where you don't directly talk about conflict, right? That's too shameful to talk about direct conflict, right? Well, peacemaking can look like this because you know who to talk to. If you see person A and person B fighting, oh, you know to talk to your cousin that will talk to their father, that will then talk to his hairdresser, uh, his barber, uh, that then will talk about uh, somebody's uh, primary school teacher that knows person A. And you also know to talk to this person that's the landlord of where uh, another person lives that can talk to their mother that can talk to person B, right? And you just start the conversations going. And you can be a peacemaker that way as well. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, and he calls members of God's family. Now, looking at these two lists, there's seven that we've talked about, and Jesus actually talks about eight. And the eighth one is a function of living the other seven out. The first one empowers everything to happen. The other six are our relationship with God, our relationship with others. If you live a right side up life in an upside down world, guess what? People aren't going to like you. You're going to be seen as weird. But actually in Jesus, we're actually weird in a good way. That's why Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted. For they're blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on your account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you are living out a right side up life in Jesus in an upside down world, and everyone looks at you and says, you're weird. We're going to persecute you. We're going to make life difficult for you. We're going to make fun of you. We're going to harm you. We're gonna, because you are different, we are going to persecute you. Jesus is actually yours. You are to be blessed. You are to rejoice and be glad because you are living a right side up life in an upside down world. And so people to look at you would say, you're weird. And you could say, yes, I am. If there was someone that could walk in here and they would walk on the ceiling right to the middle of the room, you'd say, that's really weird. They're upside down. That's okay. But what if we were all upside down and they were the ones saying, yeah, you think I'm upside down, but really I'm right side up. That's why Jesus says it's not just about this right side up orientation. It's about right side up proclamation and being able to tell everybody else in an upside down world about Jesus' right side up kingdom. So the right side up proclamation, we declare Jesus is king. That he reigns and rules in my life right now. We say Jesus is my boss. Not only has he changed my eternity, he has changed my reality. And I experience living in his kingdom already right now and not yet because he's going to return. Right side up proclamation, Jesus is king. And, and that's why Jesus talks about being salt and light. And if you aren't a follower of Jesus, if you're here, if you're watching this online, if you're just exploring what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I, I want you to know that there is nothing more than your creator wants than for you to go from upside down living with you as the king to right side up living with Jesus as king. And there's nothing like it. Reach out online or if you're here in person, come to the corner. We'd love to answer any questions that you have about Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus, not only are you to live right side up and love it, woohoo, yeah, but we are to proclaim, we are, it's proclamation. That's why Jesus talks about salt and light. Look at what Jesus continues on about salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You know, in, in reading this about salt, there was a joke going around uh, at the time that Jesus spoke this. Everybody uh, who spoke the common dialect would have known this joke. It's a, it's a Hebrew joke. What, uh, what do you flavor salt with when it loses its saltiness? You flavor it with the afterbirth of a mule. Yeah, I didn't get it either. <laughs> But actually, mules are sterile and they don't give birth. There's no such thing as an afterbirth of a mule because they never give birth. And really what it means is you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. <laughs> salt can't lose its saltiness because it's salt. Jesus says, just like salt, you're light. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all of the house. You are light in this world. As a follower of Jesus, you are light in darkness. And so we proclaim with our actions and our words that Jesus is king. So let's live out loud. Let's live out loud this week when you leave in about five minutes. As a follower of Jesus, live out loud, proclaiming that Jesus is king. And that's why we're, we're talking about movement day so much. Movement day, we simply want uh, all of our city to know that we love the city. God loves the city. And so we want people to look at us coming together as Jesus followers from different churches and to say, you guys are weird, but in a good way. You're weird in a good way. We, we want to learn more. Or we want, we want to send a really clear message that Jesus is our king. That's our right side up proclamation to live out loud. But why? Why do we live out loud? Now we get to the motivation. Because you're about to exit out of those doors. And, and I, I want us to be driven by the why. Why do we live out loud? Look at all of this stuff that Jesus says, blessed are those who, for they will. They'll get the kingdom of heaven. They're comforted. They'll inherit the earth. They'll be satisfied. They'll receive mercy. They'll see God. They'll be called sons of God. Uh, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Their reward is great in heaven. Woo, that is awesome, isn't it? Now, if that's our motivation, we will fail. If that's our motivation, if it's just us, remember, those who are poor in spirit, we've got nothing to give. It's not about us. Look at what Jesus summarizes. This. I love it. Jesus says, and here's the motivation that drives us. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You may have come here to make a great name for yourself back home or to make a great name in your company or at your work. I have to tell you, God has brought you here so that his name is made great in all of the earth, including this place. So as we go out this week, let's live and enjoy living in his kingdom with our king. And it's, that's all that we do is all for his glory. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this reminder in your word that life that seems right side up actually many times is upside down. We know there's times that we get distracted, we get discouraged, and we really need your help. We have nothing to offer. We come to you poor in spirit, needing forgiveness of our sins by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Father, we need your Holy Spirit to empower us everyday living. And as we live counterculturally, may you, may you be delighted in others that see us as weird in a good way. Father, thanks for this reminder that even running at the speed of life, that you settle our hearts and show us what right side up life looks like. We love you, and we offer up this closing song as the anthem in our hearts to begin with us as we live out and live in your kingdom. And it's in our king's name we pray. Amen. Amen.